If you have a Bible and you would like, you may turn to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, not Luke. Luke got a smile on his face. Turn to Luke. The Gospel of Luke. It is the 23rd chapter. I will read verses 13 through 24. Luke chapter 23, verses 13 through 24. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people, and indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him. And indeed, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of those men, these men, and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Really sad section of the Gospel of Luke. This is uh, an irony in Scripture. Our Lord's innocence, on the one hand, And yet, his death on the cross, he seems to be guilty, he's crucified unto death, and yet some realized he was not guilty, at least of crimes unto death. The old catechism and orthodox catechism, question 37, asks the question, for what cause should he suffer under Pilate as being his judge? Here's the answer. That he being innocent and condemned before a civil judge might deliver us from the severe judgment of God which remained for all men. That he being innocent and condemned before a civil judge, if you have a copy of that, Catechism, you'll see scripture proofs are connected to both those statements. That he might deliver us from the severe judgment of God, which remained for all men. So being tried by a lawful human judge, Pilate, 
our Lord was found innocent. He was, however, allowed to be condemned with that weird loophole at the time of the festival. They could release somebody and they took Barabbas to be released. This proves his innocence before men and gets him sentenced to death. And yet he's sentenced to death, something he had to do to deliver us from the judgment of God. In John chapter 15, verses 21 through 25, Jesus said this. This is very interesting in light of this morning's sermon as well. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this in order that the word may be fulfilled, that it is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. So here's this innocent person is now going to die as a guilty person, even though the human court realized he was innocent, the weakling gives way to the mob, Barabbas instead. The hatred toward our Lord was prophesied. This, they hated me without a cause, comes from Psalm 69, by the way. This hatred was the means through which our Savior got to the cross. Uh, In Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28, After the crucifixion of our Lord, the early disciples said this, For truly in this city there were gathered together against thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever thy hand and thy purpose predestined to occur. That is... Interesting. So all that suffering that Jesus endured as a righteous servant of the Lord was actually the hand of God, the purpose of God, the predestined hand and purpose of God. So being found innocent and yet condemned to death by men's was the means appointed by God for our Lord to get to the cross. This is where he bore our griefs. This is where he bore our sorrows where he was stricken, where he was smitten of God and afflicted, where he was pierced through for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Here, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. There's an irony here in one sense. They're thinking that if we can kill Jesus, that'll do away with him him and all the effects He's having upon us. God, on the other hand, turns this plot into the means whereby our redemption is wrought. Now, surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. Remember that? That's that's in a psalm someplace. Here's the wrath of man, and God brings out of the wrath of man the death of Christ 
through which he gets many praises. So there's that stuff going on again where uh, a thing seems to be going one way and God turns it inside out and around and upside down or whatever and brings glory to himself through it. Here's the next question of the catechism and its answer. But, it is there, but, but is there more, any more in it that he was fastened to the cross than if he had suffered any other kind of death? Here's the answer. There is more. By this I am assured that he took upon himself the curse which did lie on me for the death of the cross was cursed of God. Deuteronomy 21:23, Galatians 3:13, Christ became a curse for us. Cursed is everyone who hangs and dies on a on a tree or cross. In other words, this question asks this this. Did it have to be the way it was and why? And the answer is yes. It had to be the death of the cross because this is where the curse of God terminates according to the will of God. Of course, this is the will of God, so it has to be this way. Our Lord became a curse for us, which means he was cursed instead of us being cursed, which means he took the wrath of God that was due us, he took it for us and instead of us in our place. This is good news. And then the final question we'll consider, why was it necessary for Christ to humble himself unto death? And here's the answer. Because the justice and truth of God could by no other means be satisfied for our sins, but by the very death of the Son of God. It had to be this way. It was necessary that he humble himself unto death. Now in Genesis 2.17, we read these words, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Okay, you remember that threat God gave Adam. Our Lord came as the last Adam, representing others in his incarnate state. Our Lord came to satisfy the justice of God for us, sin brings with it the judicial consequence of death. Our first parents ate and died, so death now comes upon us. It was necessary then for Christ to die in order to satisfy the justice and truth of God. It was necessary for him to die if we would be saved. It was necessary for him to die on a cross if we'd be saved, because that's the implement of receiving divine curse. His death was a form of obedience to the law. Paul says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Catechism also cites Hebrews 2, verse 14 to 18. Listen to those words. Since then, the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, He does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest 
in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people, to become a curse for us. For since he himself was tempted in that which he was, had suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So he shared our flesh and he shared our blood. He was very man. He did this in order to both live and die in our nature. And by his death, he rendered the devil powerless. And by his death, he delivered believers from the crippling fear of death. He was made like us to be made a merciful and faithful priest to God who propitiates the wrath of God for us instead of the arrow of divine justice piercing us through. It pierces the deepest stroke that pierced him was, was a stroke that justice gave. Further, he was tempted while in our flesh, so he is able to aid us in our temptations. We have a perfect Savior. He has done everything necessary to get us there to the, uh, to the glorious eschatological state. He did all that he did back there in his earthly life to accomplish salvation, redemption, to procure these benefits, and then by his gracious spirit gives them to us freely through the means of the word and sacraments, including both baptism and the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. We ask you, Father, for your blessings on this time as we have just contemplated uh, the uh, death of our Savior, and now we're going to engage in the supper together. We ask your blessings as we do so. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.